Austin thought they had the answers, but Jimmy Butler can't be solved as the Heat continue their magical, improbable run with great performances from Jimmy and many more, especially in the fourth quarter. And yet another huge win on the road that has the Miami Heat on the verge of a trip to the NBA Finals. We break it all down today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning and welcome to a live edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on my Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Mill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA. And when you enter the promo code Locked on NBA, they're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Going live on YouTube on a Saturday morning after the Miami Heat went into Boston. And, David, after taking a game one on the road, snatched game two on Friday night, coming back from 12 points down in the fourth quarter, closing out the game on a 34-16 to run. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, they're huge down the stretch. We're going to hand out credit cookies later on. We'll get to your questions later on. But the Heat now have a 2-0 lead in these Eastern Conference Finals. Teams that have gone up 2-0 in a best-of-seven series have gone on to win that series 92.2% of the time. David, Jimmy Butler, huge. Uh, Bam Adebayo, enormous. Uh, Gabe Vincent hitting big shots. The Heat are up 2-0 and probably going into Boston. The number two seed, the heavy favorite, 97% chance of advancing to these finals. And it's the Miami Heat that have absolute control of this series. Where do you want to start with this? <laughs> Just the improbability of it all. I think we can talk certainly about Jimmy Butler and the classic battle with Grant Williams. The one-sided battle it was David and Goliath, except this time Goliath won. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was Goliath incredible. crushed him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> careful who you talk to, a Batman. Uh, this is it was an incredible game, and just I, I'm watching the game, and as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, just the incredible improbability of everything that you know you're 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 watching this game, and they've got this 12 point lead in the fourth quarter, and they're at home, and their backs are against the wall, and yet somehow Miami says, no, no, we're the ones with a sense of urgency, we're the ones that understand what's at stake here, we can't afford to let this game slip through our fingers, and they went and took it punching Boston in the mouth along the way and saying, we're the better team here. Forget your number one picks. Forget all of our undrafted players. Forget the tired narratives and forget Banner 18. We want this right here, right now. Game two in Boston. Let's effing go. <laughs> and it was a really incredible moment from the from the Heat there to watch this happening. And then, yeah, led by who else? Jimmy Butler. You know, you think you've got the answers. You put Grant Williams in there. He provides his spark. He does what he does. This isn't, it doesn't really boil down to one player. But then part of what gets him going as a player on the Celtic side of things is to be able to talk smack, be a little you know, chippy, throw a couple elbows, be physical. You pick the wrong guy to go against and Jimmy Butler. That's yeah. unfortunately the way it was for you. But, you know, Jimmy Butler is just that good. He is that dog. He wants these moments. He relishes them. And he said, you know what? Oh, you want to talk? Let's see what happens. Let's see who actually puts yeah. it out on the court. Yeah, I, let, let's just start. Yeah, let's let's start there. That's a good place. And, and then we can kind of get into the bigger picture stuff. But Jimmy Butler in that fourth quarter, nine points on four of eight shooting. Um, he finishes with 27 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, two blocks. I mean, he is just doing 
everything out there. He's been the best player on the court. Jason Tatum has not made a field goal in the fourth quarter in this entire series yet. Um, they, you're, they, they throw Grant Williams on Jimmy Butler after Grant Williams doesn't play at all right. in game one. And and it doesn't work. You you mentioned the, the little confrontation that they had, forehead to forehead, getting chippy. Uh, TNT cameras and, and microphones pick it up, him walking off the court. There's no way they thought that was the answer. Jimmy Butler staring right into the camera, saying that, shaking his head. No, no, no. He knew, just like Tobias Harris over me. He knew that oh, they were yeah. going to hear that. Jimmy asked after the game uh, about that. And you can, it was so funny listening to Jimmy Butler talk about it because he starts, you know, typical player post game, kind of trying to downplay it a Respect little bit. He's, for talking, Williams. he's yeah. talking and he starts smiling a little bit more and he goes, and he goes, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a spirit of competition, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, but I'm probably not the right person to talk to. And that's <laughs> how he ends it. And he's got that big bleep eating grin at the end of that oh, yeah. answer. You could just tell he's getting fired up just talking about it. He's the a proverbial there, cat that eating, eating the canary, and we're all watching it happen. It's it's amazing. Like he he knows what's all. He's so in control of these moments. It's it's incredible yes. to watch it. Uh, you know, again, we were gonna. I know we'll expand on the big picture, but even as it's happening, and he sees what's going on. Grant Williams thinks he has the edge. He thinks he's firing up the Boston crowd. The Celtics fans are eating this up. It's great playoff chem, you know, basketball and intensity and everything else like that. And Jimmy just goes, okay. Let's hold the brakes. No one's on this. No one on this court is better as a player than if I am, I am a Celtics fan. Yeah, I am so pissed at Grant Williams. Like this is it, it's the same thing. It's hard, it's like, right? Dylan, it's it really the same is. thing Dylan Brooks did against LeBron. It's like, who yeah. are you? Like, right. cool. No, you've been to a few conference finals. You've been to an NBA finals. But what exactly have you won? And and it these people that come in, they they, they start trash talking. The right? best player. It's 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 what's it. What what do you think if you're Grant Williams? You're, you think you're going to shake? You're going to rattle Jimmy Butler in that? What would give you the impression that that was going to work well, based on like, anything that we know about Jimmy Butler? Well, <laughs> or, or they're up Jordan, twelve, right? The most they're rattled. Up 12. The, I guess, but like the most. So yeah, you're up twelve already. Just chill. Like hold on to that twelve. <laughs> that twelve point lead. Like why are you trash talking in that moment? Like why would you do that? If I'm his teammates, I'm pissed at Grant Williams. And by the way. <laughs> Grant Williams' teammates get pissed at him a lot. Jalen Brown. He sees Jalen Brown asked about it, and he's like, next question. What do you say? Next (laughs) Next question. question. Yeah, he was asked at the podium, do you think that uh, Grant Williams might have uh, uh, inspired Jimmy Butler, his performance? He goes, next question. (laughs) No, we got next question. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am so mad. I'm a Celtics fan. I am so mad. And to go back to the uh, the fourth quarter run. So, yeah, the the, the Celtics, by the way, were up 12. They had a 12-point lead in in the second quarter. The Heat come back. They take uh, their 54, 54 point lead in halftime, and then they're back up. They're back. The Heat are back down twelve in the fourth quarter, and and I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, okay, it was a good run. The Heat came back. They had a push, right. uh, but this makes sense, right? Like you're in Boston. The Celtics are so talented. They're so good. You already got game one. This makes sense that the Celtics would just kind of have this late push. Maybe Jason Tatum makes a couple shots down the stretch, and the Heat, uh, they don't good right. good effort. Close hard fought effort. Just, right. You're not going to go into Boston and go up 2-0. Like, nobody expected that. Nobody, right? And um, and so it sort of made sense that the Celtics would pull away, and then the Heat would come back, having done what you had to do, get one on the road. Like they did in every series that they've won in these playoffs. You get one on the road, you come back to Miami, and you take care of home court advantage, and you end up pulling out uh, maybe perhaps even the entire series. But then Grant Williams does that 
to, to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler f- gets fired up. Him and Bam just go crazy down the stretch. Uh, and, and you know, a couple big shots and big free throws by Max and Gabe and all these other things. Yep. And you and I'm just watching this game. And the seconds just, they expire. There's no more yeah. time left. Game two's over. And the Heat win. And I'm just like, how? I, I still, I'm not, I'm still having a hard time comprehending the Heat being up. I read this stat earlier. 92% chance, 92% of the time, a team with a 2-0 lead in a, in a best-of-seven series goes on to win that. The Heat are the number eighth seed, David. I don't know that we've mentioned that enough or that the TNT broadcast mentions it enough. Um, and I'm, I'm being facetious when I'm saying that. Uh, this is I, – I, I know I'm starting to ramble here, but I, I just – I'm still having a, a, a difficult time comprehending no. what it is that the Heat have and the opportunity <laughs> that they have created for themselves here. It is absolutely unbelievable. I don't. I, we've never witnessed anything like this. We've we've made the comparison before. Obviously, the 1999 Knicks being able to get to this point, and I, I've started to see some more people fall in line with what we talked about after they eliminated the Knicks. The fact that that was somewhat different than this very different particular instant because yeah. that was a strike shortened season, a lockout shortened season, and they only wanted to play a handful of games. That eight seeded Knicks team wasn't really an eight seed. This was over the course of a full 82 game season. Miami in the that playing AC, tournament. There was a six win difference between the Knicks right. as an eight seed and number one right. seed. The, the, the Celtics won 14 wins and 13 wins. I mean, Milwaukee was the team that had 58 wins. Boston had 57. There's right. 13 wins difference in the regular season between these Celtics right. and these Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat went into Boston and acted like they were the big brother. They went in and said, no way. You're, we're going to come into your town. We're going to come into your house. We're going to steal your lunch money. We're going to eat your sandwich right in front of you. And then we're going to go back. And by the way, we got two more games to play in Miami. Yep. It's, 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 it's wild. Um, all right. We're going to do credit cookies next. I know we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo specifically. What did they do in the fourth quarter? Um, and we got, I, I have one credit cookie that I just, I have to give out. And this player didn't even really have a great game, but I feel compelled to give oh, him yeah. cookies to this, this other player, about. but we're going to talk about that next. But first, today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I look better and I feel great wearing Bird Dogs. It's true. Their stretchy fabric makes my legs look great. They're comfier than my other shorts. They're comfier than my other pants. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts on the golf course, to a meeting, uh, a date, hanging out with friends, by the pool, just one pair of shorts all day long, no matter the setting. Uh, I was literally just wearing a pair of Bird Dogs. They sent us a bunch of them. David, a couple pairs uh, the other day, and they, they, they're great. I love the new colors, but I already had a pair of bird dogs before that, and I was wearing them like a few days before they sent us the stuff. Uh, by the pool, had a cigar, a cocktail on an off day for me, and just, you know, 90 degrees out, Miami classic, went, jumped into the water, uh, cooled off, went back out, you know, and, and the, the, with the fabric, they just dry up, and I'm not, I'm not having to change throughout the day. I just, I, those were the shorts that I wore for the rest of the day. Super comfortable, looked great. Great to hang out in. Um, so go to birddogs.com slash NBA when you enter the product on NBA. They're going to put a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every nice. order, and they sent those to us as well. So check it out, birddogs.com slash NBA. Back here with Locked on Heat. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. David, hmm. it's time to get into the kitchen. It's time to whip up some credit cookies. The Heat up 2-0. What kind of cookies 
we're handing out on a Saturday morning. You know what? We earned it, man. Saturday morning cookies. Why not? Like a, a breakfast biscuit of some yeah. kind, something really appropriate Spotty. for the mini. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A little dip in your, your coffee there. Uh, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, maybe something with a little coffee right here. <laughs> yeah. I just finished off mine, but uh, it's just unbelievable. I, 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 we're here Saturday morning. Hours after the win, and I'm, I we can't. I keep reliving the sense of shock. And I know again, we talked about the fact that this is no ordinary 18, and we've seen magical moments throughout this postseason run. But the fact that they were able to go to Boston, you just cannot overstate enough how important that was. The, the look on those Celtics fans' faces, they had no idea what they had witnessed. There was a yeah. look of shock and horror and just complete inexplicability about it as they're watching this, as, as Jimmy. And the rest of the Heat are celebrating, and the Celtics players walk off the court. Unbelievable moment. And I, just, I, I don't want this to be taken as dancing on a grave because nothing's done yet, right? Nothing, like we saw nothing. the Clippers come back from a 2 0 lead against Dallas uh, in 2021 in those playoffs. Like this can happen, right? Just because I read that stat means it doesn't mean anything. And the Celtics are super talented. And if they just start making a bunch of threes, and they were shooting 40% from three point range coming into this, like nothing, nothing is done yet. What I think you and I are trying to express here is just the sheer improbability of what it is that is right in front of us. The heat as the number eight seed going into a very talented uh, Boston Celtics team's house and, and taking the first two games. Like I said, you just don't really see, you just don't see this, right? You just expect the Celtics game one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We've seen that already a bunch of times in these playoffs by the Miami heat and other teams, right? But to take both uh, is just, is so improbable. And that's just as a fan of the sport, Right. I'm not even talking about as a fan of the heat, just a fan of the sport, the sheer improbability of what it is that we're seeing. Right. We got on here and yes. just said, like, we, we broke down the odds that FanDuel had. We broke down the 97 percent ESPN analytics, the 538 stuff. And I'm looking at him I'm like, I got no problem with this. I still picked heat and seven going into this into the series. But I didn't, I didn't have a problem with other people picking the Celtics. I'm not I wasn't out no. here. But it, it made sense. Right. Like we just said, 13 yeah. wins difference. The net rating for the Celtics way more than where the heat were. In the regular season, like all of this stuff made sense. And so for them to be up right now 2-0, just the, the improbability of it is what I think you and I has are sort uh, of geeking out over right now. Yeah. Has Miami like captured the hearts of, of NBA fans? Because I feel I like think so. I it's certainly starting to change that way. Like the all the, the disrespect, the lack of any kind of accountability or credibility in terms of like the coverage and things of that sort, it seems to be gone now. Just the fact I'm that getting uh finding a way to do pe- this. It's the I'm sorry, but I to cut you off. But like I, you mentioned that, and I got I was getting text messages from uh, uh, former colleagues that uh, I used to cover the, the Warriors with, right? Sure, and sure. they're they're all texting me like, "You're covering the best story in sports right yeah. now." And I was like, yeah. "I know this is crazy." And obviously, you know, my my Warriors friends are no longer covering playoff series, yeah. and it's it, nobody thought that you would be that, that that the Miami Heat would be here, that you and I would be doing podcasts like this. That's why you're in right? Chicago right now. Right, exactly. Uh, and so um, let's get let's get uh, into these cookies here. We got to start with Jimmy Butler. We we talked so much about him already. Um, Twenty seven points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, two blocks, just packing the box score. Um, incredible night for him. We could start with the cookies for him, but I want to also talk about Bam Adebayo because I think he was so important. Eight points, eight rebounds, and four assists in that fourth quarter to to close that game out. He finishes with twenty two points, seventeen rebounds. Nine assists. I'm going to go ahead and just give him the triple double. I don't care. I'm just going to do it. I think we get we have that kind of uh, leniency here. Um, Three apiece for them. I think is, sure. is probably fair. Specifically with Bam, him attacking uh, 
the switching of Boston's defense, uh, picking his spots, finding when Al Horford would drop, when they wouldn't switch, or when he had that matchup, he was so aggressive. It was so important for the Heat. The game slowing down, even in the in, at this point in the season for him, just seeing where where Horford is, where Robert Williams is, where anybody's guarding him, recognizing exactly at what speed to attack the basket. I got to be honest with you, it felt very Jimmy-esque almost. Like, Jimmy is mm. not the most explosive player, but his sense of timing, regardless of if it's uh, Brogdon or White or, or Tatum or Brown, whoever's on him, his ability to get to the hoop because he just has this innate timing of how to cut and when to use his physicality. Bam, starting to implement that against a good defender in Al Horford, who really Great limited, yeah. who already limited a very good MVP in Joel Embiid in the previous series. And Bam yeah. is making him look kind of, well, he's making him look old. Like Bam's just more aggressive. And the rebounding, especially in that fourth quarter, like I'm watching the game with a friend of mine, and we're just like in shock because not only is this aggressive Bam in terms of his offense and scoring, but the timeliness of his rebounding, despite the fact that he's undersized going against yes. guys like Will Horford, et cetera, is unbelievable. That dunk he had on the Miss Jimmy pull-up from the baseline, the uh, the rebound on the other side when it was within minutes there, just a, it was a missed three-pointer, I want to say, from Tatum yep. Brown, and he corrals it, stretching that left arm back as far as he could possibly go, almost to midcourt, to pull down that rebound. Unden- you know, just He would not be denied, is what I kept seeing from yeah. him uh, yesterday. A really strong statement from Bam. Eric Spolstra challenges Bam out of bio with those quote unquote grown man rebounds, right? He challenges him. He, he's like, Hey, we need a few of these from you every single game. And like you said, he's in these first two games, his rebounding on the defensive end is so important. The Celtics, I can't remember what they shot from three point range in game one, but it wasn't 20, good. Oh, yeah. no, uh, it's not. And, it, it, and in this one, it was 28 points. They went 10 for 35 from three point range. So important yep. when they are missing those three pointers is getting those long rebounds, those tough rebounds, right. And ending that defensive possession for Miami, you're keeping those runs going. That have been so important in these first two games for the Heat because the Celtics have had their runs, right? Yep. And and that in fact, that's kind of what they were talking about from the Celtics perspective post game is like, hey, we've had runs. It's just about sustaining those runs. But a big part of ending those runs and creating your own runs for the Heat and kind of flipping the games the, the way that they have is just been ending those defensive possessions when it is that the Celtics do miss shots, getting that defensive rebound, getting to the end of the end of the floor. Bam has been so important pushing off of those defensive rebounds. So the fact that he had 17 of them yesterday or uh, 15 defensive rebounds, 17 total rebounds. Um, he's just, it's not just the defensive rebounding part of it. It's sort of the, the, the totality of it all, right? Grabbing the rebound, going down the end of the other end of the court, either scoring in transition, finding teammates and other things. So three apiece to Jimmy and to Bam Adebayo. I think it's fair to say even again, Tatum, it's been disappointing fourth quarters, but he had 34 points in this game. Yep. So I'm not ready to say that Bam has been the second best player in this series, but has he been? Like, it's a good argument because I think his. If you look at what he does on all other aspects in terms of the playmaking, his defense, on, and on top of the scoring and the fact that Miami's up two zero, you could make a strong argument they might be even money at this point. Again, this isn't. You know, I made the point that Jimmy is the best player. And some people criticize that it's not that they're the best player during the regular season. Nobody cares. It's right now. It's what he's done during the playoffs. It's what he's yeah, been yeah. able to accomplish during the first two and games. And these first two, matches. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tatum is down 0-2, and he's withered in big moments. I think Celtics fans would agree that's the case. I know he was inserted at, at you know late in the fourth quarter, and maybe they could have used him to play the whole second half. But, I, you know, I was a little surprised. I did notice that Jimmy was... I was a little surprised to see that run from Jimmy, not because we haven't seen this from him before, but he did look gassed. Like in the third quarter, mm-hmm. he was like hunched over, drawing air. He was just like breathing heavily. Yeah. Grant Williams. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. Grant Williams get a credit cookie? 
<laughs> no. Let's no, do it. No, that's. I think we should. That's hilarious. A cookie. Yeah. Okay. All right. We, Grant Williams, Williams gets a cookie. cookie. <laughs> Thank you, Grant, Grant Williams. Williams. Gets a cookie. Yes. He found. He found another level. Found another. He's been much more helpful to the Miami Heat than he has been the Boston Celtics. That's that's fair. That's congrats fair. to Grant Williams, the first ever uh, team from the yeah, yeah. Uh, player from the opponent to get a credit cookie. Congratulations, yeah. Grant Williams. Keep doing it, man. Keep yeah. doing it. We'll give you. We'll give you cookies all series. Um, all, right. all right. So we've got uh, what do we do. Let's three, talk six, about seven. Caleb Martin. That's uh, seven. You want to do so Caleb Martin? Far. Okay. Let's do Caleb Martin. Uh, Twenty-five points in this game. Eleven of Incredible. sixteen. He had what was it? Fourteen or fifteen points by halftime. Uh, uh, Twelve points in that second quarter when the Heat came back from the first twelve-point deficit. Just enormous in this game. Caleb Martin was. Yeah, hitting that jumper. Four points in the fourth quarter too. Just really, really good. A sense of attacking. Just the, the incredible transformation from him from a guy last year who was just this infectious energy always you know diving for the ball breaking up passing lanes swarming in for a dunk etc or a big block shot and now his touch around the basket I mean we've seen it evolve over the course of the regular season but for fans that maybe haven't seen him as much he is just unbelievable the way he's finishing around the rim like every time he's laying it up he's got this this George Gervin like ability to finish at the rim now with that finger roll it's unbelievable this touch around the hoop uh, but even still, like he has just found seams. He's found ways to break down Boston's defense. Nobody expected him, at least nobody on the Celtics side, expected him to have this kind of an impact. But I didn't expect him to have 25 points. No, no, that's that's even outsizing our expectations. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, like again, the, the, the narrative, the conversations, the idea that Boston was so much better because of their depth and everything else. They haven't had a bench player even close to approximate what Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin did yesterday. So, I mean, I think it was widely overstated. Um, big, big difference between P.J. Tucker in that role last year and Caleb Martin, right? Where the Celtics last year put Robert Williams on P.J. Tucker, but had obviously Williams play off right. of him the way that they, the Celtics always do that. They'll put him on an offensive threat. Uh, and then have him kind of crowd the paint, right? And again, when I uh, another challenge that Spolstra had for his players, it was a challenge on Caleb Martin to attack that in a way that look, we love PJ Tucker around these parts, but absolutely, what Caleb Martin has done at that position is just so much more dynamic. And with Robert Williams sagging off of him in this game, kind of giving him the PJ Tucker treatment, Caleb Martin said, "All right, bet." And he he put the ball on the ground, he attacked the basket relentlessly, like you said, he always. Uh, I can't remember where it was. Was it the Barry Jackson maybe uh, had like a, a he, he was talking to a scout about some of the heat role players and was talking specifically about Caleb Martin. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was a Barry Jackson piece. And I apologize if I got that one wrong, but um, said that Caleb Martin just makes such great decisions, Yep. Uh, especially when he puts the ball on the ground. And sometimes you don't really know what's going to happen. Like he loves to attack baseline. Caleb yeah. Martin does. And he just ends up somehow. You're like, where, where is this Slithers going? Through, yeah. And then he just sort of ends up at the basket, making a layup or a dunk or something like that. And it just sort of tends to work out for him. And you know, he's super athletic, and I think that's a big part of it. But he does make good decisions, okay. and he's aggressive. And and Spo has challenged him to to say, okay, if Robert Williams is going to sag off of you, go be a 25 point per game player. Like, go do it. Like, he's giving you the space. He's giving you the leeway to do it. Um, so cookies to him as well. I think we have two more cookies to give out. Uh, let's do it. On, I know who you, you want know, to give just, one to. I know Let's you want to give now. one Let's to, to Gabe Vincent. Um, Gabe Vincent. He was nine points, two of eight. Kind of a rough game for him uh, on the offensive end. But we talk about this. The schutzpa. The cojones. This, this is for our YouTube viewers. Yeah. He's got the tenacity. That's what it is, basically. Yeah. I was watching that when he had that mid-range jumper late in the fourth. And I just looked over at my friend and said, that took balls. Like, that was yeah. tough. 
to hit that shot at that point in time because, again, so much on the line here. And for him to pull up, I mean, he's going to make himself some money this offseason. Of that, there's yes. no doubt. But he just – he had big moments contributing. And it, it, it late in the game. It wasn't like he had a monster game or anything like that. But He was one of eight at that yeah. point before yeah. he snakes around that pick and roll. And by the way, I he doesn't really play pick and roll like that. That was more like no. Kyle Lowry to kind of snake it and kind of go yeah. from one side of, of that, that painted area to the other. And he gets Jason Tatum right on him. Like that's not the switch you're looking for. Tatum's no. bigger than you. He's a good defender. That is not the switch that you're hunting for. And he's doing this, and he's kind of slowly kind of going through that pick and roll. I'm like, is he about to shoot this? There's no right. way. There was like 17 seconds on the shot clock still or something. And yeah. then he just – he pulls up from 19 feet and just drains that shot and and probably the dagger, I would say, Wet. in that game. Yeah. It was a little Wet. bit uh, – It was backbreaking. It was backbreaking. Back like breaking. watching that, it's like, God, Gabe Vincent's going to crush this now? It's one thing we're going to be fired up, Bam pulling down these boards, et cetera. But Gabe Vincent's going to start knocking down middies in our face like that? What choice do we have? What can we do but watch it and take it and, and just hope for a better game three? Uh, you know, that's that's on the locked on yeah. Celtics side. Go listen to John Corrales talk about what's going to happen next. But as far as Miami and everything they were able to accomplish tonight, incredible. We should talk about Max Struess. I mean, and Caleb, can, and can we split? I know yeah, can we split before, a cookie yeah. between Max Drews and Duncan Robinson? Completely different players making their impact in different ways. But Duncan, some big three-point shots, but also yes. some great off-ball cutting, driving to the rim, uh, you know, baseline cuts, etc. Just impacting the game that way. And then Max, another solid defensive game from him and the three-point shooting. He doesn't need a lot of space to get that shot off, but when he knocks it down, again, those were big shots throughout the course of the game to help Miami either close the gap. Or be able to, you know, just cut the, the deficit to a slight degree. There, it was impressive games for both of them. Um, yeah, five of eleven combined for them from three point range, which was huge. The Heat shooting thirty four, almost thirty five percent in this game from three point range. So the three point shooting came back for the league the average. All right, hey, that's, that's we, all you need. Saying that's all we needed, right? Like that's <laughs> all that he needed was. You didn't need to shoot 40% like you did against – or 45% like you did against the Bucs. Like that – you didn't right. need that. You just needed a healthy Jimmy Butler. You needed an aggressive Bam Adebayo. And you needed to just shoot not 30% the way that you did against the Knicks. We were, that wasn't going to work against the Celtics. And we were right. You know? We were absolutely right. It's not like the Heat are blowing out the Celtics. They had to come back from 12 points in the fourth quarter. They just need about what it is that they've gotten in these first two games. Now the Heat are up uh, 2 nothing in this series. What can the Celtics do? to try to get back into this series when this goes back to Miami. What do we expect for them? Is Grant Williams the answer? There's no way they thought that that was the answer. We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Thank you for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every day as we're going to be back Sunday night with a recap of Game 3. David and I will be in Miami from the arena. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, but this question comes in from Brian talking about that Game 3. What adjustments do the Celtics have left at this point other than starting Derek White for Robert Williams? Are they down to just uh, Jason Tatum having to play better in the fourth quarter and shooting better from three-point range? Let's talk about that first adjustment. Uh, Joe Mazzulla going back to Derek White in that starting lineup in place of Robert Williams uh, in that second half, David. I thought it was just a matter of time. It's, that's, that's, that, that has been Joe Mazzulla's comfort zone all regular season long. Um, he, he's gone away from that double big lineup for most of the season, went back to it to close that Sixers series. It seems like he's going back to that. Uh, do you think that, that that's going to be the starting lineup uh, in game three with Derek White, uh, three guards in place of uh, Robert Williams? To start? I do. I do. Uh, I think 
as much as the Celtics players were comfortable with the idea of Williams starting, and they all talked about following the series against the Sixers and the last couple wins there, I think there's a recognition that they need to do something different. And I don't, they don't have any other answers. It's not like Miami doesn't have any answers either, but they don't need to. They're not asking any questions. They're trying to figure out how to close this out as soon as possible because on the Boston side, it's like you had your idea that Grant Williams would provide a spark. He did. He also provided a spark for Miami. So that didn't work out quite the way you wanted to. Like, you don't have anything else. Who are you going to go to? Peyton Pritchard? Sam Hauser? Like, like who else is on that bench? Blake Griffin? There is nobody else there. There's nobody that's going to provide any other kind of spark or change the dynamic. What are you going to do? Double, triple Jimmy? Are you going to pressure Caleb Martin? Like, I, I mean, everybody's been defending as well as possible, but Miami's just finding a way to move the ball, be more effective, pull down bigger rebounds. Miami's deeper, better. They've just been the better team. So for the Boston side of things, I don't think there is another change they can do other than try to, tink, tw- uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, play better. The starting line. Yeah. Stay, change the starting uh, lineup. Change the starting and maybe I, and maybe shoot better. You know, what I else you got? Maybe. Right. Uh, but the Heat, look, I, I guess that would be one way to do it, right, is to just try to get out to an early lead, go smaller. Kevin Love played 14 and a half minutes in this last game. Um, didn't play a whole lot down the stretch when Boston mostly went small, but the, like I said, like the Heat could just all right. We'll put Caleb Martin at the four. The Heat tend to close that way anyway. Right. Um, so is if I would be interested to see if the Celtics did go with Derek White in place of Robert Williams, would the Heat still go with Kevin Love uh, in that starting lineup? I think they would. I don't think that they would be the team to change things, but I think they would be quick to just sort of be like, all right, you know what? Let's just go to Caleb Martin here at the four. Um, they maybe get, yeah, they were. Uh, and so I, I don't know that, that if I'm Boston though, I don't know. Am I, I think I would just stick with Robert Williams. Like, I, I think that if you're the Celtics, the answer is sort of like, okay, we got to rebound better. We got to make more shots and all these other things, but the heat have just been so much more physical than the Celtics is the thing that really has stand, uh, stands out to me in these first two games. Um, they're, they're, they're the team getting the loose balls, right? They're the team getting the 50, they're diving on the floor. They're getting, uh, they're, they're boxing out. They're getting the rebounds and all those yeah. things. And I don't know that going smaller necessarily is, is how you sort of even that yeah. unless you're just going to try to outshoot the heat, which I suppose the Celtics, the Celtics have the talent to do it. They've got a ton of shooters. I guess that could be the way to go. But I, uh, um, you, you remember, switch. remember that the, the, that what started off this great season for Boston and how they were so, they looked like a world beater to start off the season. Their offense was incredible. They had one of the top offenses in the league, et cetera. And it was their passing and, and moments throughout games one and two, we've seen that passing, but other than that, hasn't really been all that effective a lot of iso ball miami won the assist total yesterday in game two like mm-hmm. they, they just kind of got away from what got them to this point and tatum and brown both are saying you know as stars and nba players often do they want to be the one to take over the game to hit that big shot they've gone iso a lot and that's kind of stagnated their offense and and so you know what that's, that's what are you going to do like that, that they have to either change their style go back to what got them here in the first place early in the season by moving the ball more or they have to start knocking down those shots there's nothing oh, else to it justin gonzalez writes in max is harassing jason tatum all night and, and yes, i think was. that was also the case in game one just huge yep. defensive possessions right in game one I'm, i know we're, we're talking about uh max Struess at the end uh jason tatum gets Struess on that isolation, gets him on the switch, and just he's like, okay, this is the matchup that I was trying to hunt. I got Struess. And he tries to get to the basket, and Struess just holds him up right there at the top of the nail. And Tatum is forced to pick up his dribble because he's sort of surprised that Struess is defending him like that and, and tries to get rid of the ball. And that's it, it led to Jimmy Butler's second interception of the fourth quarter uh, in, in that game one. And so I, 
they, they're trying to do that matchup hunting thing, right? And we, we had the crossover with John Corrales, and he, he called this out. He's like, look, if Tatum and Jalen Brown can kind of get bogged down in that mismatch hunting, and he was saying, like, he, he thinks the Celtics need to be more committed to sort of the ball movement and just yeah. getting to certain spots on the floor versus trying to attack yeah. individual defenders. And he nailed it, man, because it kind of feels like that's what Tatum is trying to do at the end of these games. And I hate that he keep ragging on Tatum because he's at least scoring points in the first three quarters, but Jalen Brown has basically been a no-show too, yeah. you know, completely, like, even in all four quarters. So both of them are kind of trying to do this. But Max Struess, to, to Justin's point here, like that has not been – the matchup that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and those guys, and and the same goes across the board, like, you know, underrating a little bit what it is that Caleb Martin can do. Like I just, you said it earlier, but the fact that the heat's depth has outperformed Boston's depth, which was one of the biggest strengths that they had, right? They have six man of the year and Malcolm Brogdon, like all these things. The yep. Knicks depth was such an important thing for the Knicks in the regular season. Miami's depth outplayed the Knicks depth in, in round two right now in two games in the, in the conference finals, Miami's depth has outplayed Boston's depth. And Miami's obviously, we've already talked about this, but their stars have outplayed, Boston stars. Um, let's get to some of these listener questions here. Joshua writes in, should Miami play game three with a game seven mentality and start running the Celtics off the three point line? Boston has no answer for Bam. Um, yes. I think that's pretty obvious. This team fully aware, like what I saw yesterday, game two has me convinced. I mean, we've seen it again throughout the playoffs. They have a sense of urgency that they did not have during the regular season. And they've just, they don't want to give up any opportunities. They're not satisfied with a 2-0 lead. That, that seems incredible to say, but I'm sure every player in that heat locker room right now is so fired up, energized, lockstep, in focus, and wants to be able to close out this series. They're looking for the sweep. As improbable and impossible as that might seem, that's the goal in that heat locker room. And so they're going to approach game three knowing that their backs are against the wall. At least that's the mindset. And they're going to do everything they can to close out this series as quickly as possible. And and I don't know. It's if the it's biggest difference done, between the heat. But yeah. It, it, yeah. But it's the biggest difference between the heat and the Celtics is just that mindset, man. And I, I hate to just kind of get into the, the sports cliches of it, but it just, it, you can't watch these first two games. And by the way, I, I've had this issue with the Celtics for the last couple of years. It just, they, sure. they seem like you could just rattle them. You can kind of get in their heads and, that, to me, we talked about it going into the series, is can Miami get into Boston's heads early? Can they kind of just do that stuff between the ears where they're just in their heads and they get them rattled? Because they rattled them. I know that they lost in the conference finals last year. Yeah. But the Celtics were rattled, right? And the Warriors did it to them and, and ended up winning the finals because they rattled them. The, the, by the way, the Celtics, weren't they up 2-0? Yeah. They were up 2-1 in that series. Uh, um, definitely. But, yeah, it's just – and it feels like that's happened. And Miami has sort of that just – I'm going to step on your throat and, and finish this off mentality, right? Like that John Wick mentality. That's what this Miami Heat team has. And the Celtics, like, this isn't new, man. Like, this is just kind of their MO. And this isn't new for the Miami Heat either, right? This is how they got this far in the first place. Uh, I have not listened to any Boston sports radio yet, but I can't imagine that it is uh, uh, it has to be dire. very to be rational dire. right now. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do this one. Uh, let's, where do we go? Um, this is interesting. Oscar writes in, are the Heat better without Tyler Hero? How do you think he'll be reintroduced into the lineup? Uh, I don't know if he's going to be reintroduced in the lineup. I think that's more obviously related to the broken uh, hand injury. Um, I guess timeline could bring him back uh, if this were to go seven games. For game seven, that was sort of the initial six-week timeline. Maybe he could play in the NBA Finals if the Heat make it that far. Um, but the, I, that to me is less interesting because I don't want to play doctor on a podcast. But are the Heat better without Tyler Hero, David? I, I think they're not as not necessarily one dimensional. Like what he provides in the scoring 
is somewhat balanced by what he gives up on defense. Even if he's not necessarily, per se, a bad defender, he's going to get attacked. And I think we'd see Tatum and Brown much more comfortable and being aggressive and trying to you know, hunt Tyler in those mismatches because Max just seems to be a little bit more dialed in as far as his overall defensive effort. So, yeah, I'd say that they're probably better without this version of Tyler here, at least. Would you have him come off the bench if he does come back? Um, I, yes. I don't. You would. I think that's pretty I, clear. I think I think you would. I think you would have to just because I don't like. I don't know what kind of conditioning he would be in. I know he's been able to keep up his conditioning work. It's a broken hand, not a broken foot. So yeah. Um. You know, there's there's some of that, but I just I don't think he would mess with what's been working either. And that's not even anything against Tyler Hero. I think there's there's been moments in these playoffs where it feels like he could really use Tyler Hero. There's been moments yeah. in these first two games, especially against the Knicks. But yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that it, it feels like they could use him too. Um. All right. Let's see. What else do we have here? Him again. Do you think Jimmy Butler can win the MVP regardless of what happens? Let's uh, MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Larry Bird Trophy. Yeah, I think that's that seems pretty likely at this point. Uh, I mean, if the Heat win, it's going to be his. If, if there's no way that if the Celtics come back, Jimmy Butler wins that thing, though. No. no, no, yeah. I mean, I don't even want to look at that far ahead. It's a fine okay. award. He and look more importantly, Jimmy doesn't care. Like Jimmy does not care right now. All he wants to do is win games and, and crush the souls of Boston Celtics fans and players all over the world. Like that's, that's just it. That's his only goal is to go and win the finals. This comes from us Marines 89. As a Celtics fan, I could admit the heat are doing a very good job understanding their roles and staying calm. I knew before the series started, we would have a hard time facing this team. Good job by the heat. Thanks for that's Celtics fans for popping in here. That's um, fair. Really interesting perspective, isn't it? Like, yeah. this is the biggest problem that I think Celtics fans have. Like, Celtics fans are like, we have all the talent in the world, right? Everybody keeps yeah. talking about us as the deepest team. And they are. I think they are the most talented team in the NBA, just looking at the rosters. And and yet, it's it's the Heat. It's their coaching, too. It just feels like right now through two games, David, that they just know how it is that they want to go about playing games in this series. Wins or losses, they know what they want to do. They know how they want to attack Boston. Eric Spolster does such a good job of finding, like, little – windows little weaknesses little soft spots and just tearing them open and, and winning games that way and it just feels like the celtics are sort of still searching right now like they don't really yeah. get it kind of goes back to like the max Struess point it's like they thought that was going to be it and it just hasn't been it and they're like well that's not it so what's going to be it like what how do we they, there was no sort of plan b for them it feels like and look me if they make more shots if they if they shoot what what we'd expect the celtics to shoot maybe the series does look different maybe it is one one at this point right um, but the heat are up 2-0 and they, and, and this series is going back to Miami. There's no shoulda, woulda, coulda here. So, um, uh, interesting, uh, perspective. Um, let me see this. Um, yeah, I, I like, I, no, I, I just, I, I like that, uh, Miami has found a way to do something that nobody else has done, uh, to be able to question, like, these are very big, large sense questions, but what they've been able to accomplish here really kind of changes the the way that you perceive sports and, and like and the the idea of talent and, and is such a difficult one for me and has been for a long time and I remember you've been consistent on that yeah it's it's just so hard to quantify because like what is are we just talking about being high draft choices about being a little bit more physical like is is Jason Tatum a better athlete than Max Struess yeah I think that's yes. fair does he yeah. is he a better scorer than Max Struess? Sure, but I mean Max Struess is, is coming up with ways to impact the game differently and better. Like I, I don't know, it's 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 when very I think difficult. about talent, I just think about yeah, I think about first of all pedigree, right? Like what were you do, what were you doing in high school? Like were you the number one recruit in your class? Like you know, ESPN top one hundred index kind of high school player, 
So I think about that college, uh, just skill work. Like, are you like, how's your, how's your handle? Like, where's the, how's your, how's your touch? Like that stuff that you can't really teach. Right. Um, the obviously size, strength, athleticism, jumping, like all that stuff. When you kind of go down the line, like, yeah, the Heat are not a talented team when you kind of consider talent from that perspective. But, um, the thing that work you stands out work you. Yeah. I was, I was listening to, uh, what was the Paul George pod, whatever he calls it. I forget Paul George's podcast. Sure. And he was talking with DeMar DeRozan and they were talking about how a lot of players in the NBA don't really want it. Right. He says, he goes, uh, DeMar DeRozan went so far as like, there's a lot of players in our league that are sorry. And Paul, what, 450 players in the NBA yeah. on rosters. Yeah. Uh, Paul George said that number. He's like, what is it? 450? I, he said 100, 120 of them are really about it. That's a surprising statement. And it got me thinking about this Heat team. And I, you could have, there's so many guys who come up, they're the man on their high school team. They're balling out. They go to Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, you know and, and they get drafted and they're six, eight, and they could jump through a building and, you know, they jump to the roof. They could dunk. They're doing all these things. Um, all the talent in the world, all just the God given talent in the world. Right. And do they really want it? And I feel like maybe that's where the heat are. They, they have found guys who just really want to be here. They found guys who obviously the seven undrafted players, but just even like Jimmy Butler and, and Kyle Lowry and players who were drafted, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, like these guys who you talk to people around them and they were, and the stuff that, again, not to get into like the whole pool of sports cliches here, but they, they do, they work, they work their tails off, man. And they really want to be here. And I do feel like if maybe that's a little bit of a market inefficiency that the heat have sort of found, you know, and, Obviously, if you could be picking players in the top 10 every year and, and still win games, you would do that, right? I don't think, like, you would just do that. But the fact yeah. that the Heat have been winning a lot and, you know, three conference finals in four years and they, get, and they do trade a lot of their draft picks and all these things, they've had to find another way to add to their roster. And right now, I think maybe they're finding a market inefficiency. Said, okay, maybe we're not going to get the 6'8 guy who can jump out of the gym, but yeah. we're going to find guys who are going to do whatever it takes to stay on an NBA roster. And we feel like that gives us an advantage. Maybe not the ultimate advantage, right? They, like we, we talk about all we want to talk about. The Heat still, they're only up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they haven't won a championship with this roster, and Jimmy Butler still doesn't have a ring. So it's not like they're going out winning, like making dynasties with right, this. But right, right. Uh, they have exploited something, I think, maybe, in, 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 in finding guys who want to be here. Shout out also, I think, to Kevin Love. Like Maybe his play on the court hasn't been great, but the dynamic within the team, like we've seen it up close. We've seen how it's been changing and evolving over the course of the season. And I think he's really provided like a sense of chemistry, camaraderie, togetherness, uh, singular focus, on, and, and just kind of a joy to the locker room that I don't think we saw earlier in the season. Not to, not to criticize Dwayne Dedman and anybody else that was in the locker room, but there was it seemed like there were some conflicting personalities in the locker room earlier in the season. And that has just tired, changed. man. Just he, you found they a needed guy a spark. Who's out of the We talked about this. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the same roster since, you know, the bubble since 2019 with some variations here and there, but mostly the same roster. They didn't make a big trade. They didn't make a big off-season acquisition. You kind of go into the season, there's some frustration. I want mine. I'm not getting mine. I, I, I need to compete for this. We've got the same personality. And again, Jimmy can be trying, you know, but that's just his nature. He's going to, he's going to try and push you to be the very best you can be. And that kind of wears on some people over the course of the season. I get it. But now... Again, Kevin comes in and kind of loosens everything up, and it didn't translate during the regular season right away. But I think it's we're seeing the impact of it slowly yeah. kind of creep in there. It's been a really it's kind of much. 
much better it, locker it, room. It, it it's it, it kind of reminds me of like you know you grow up maybe your your parents have a pool or something and your friend comes over and, and his his parents don't have a pool and he comes over and he's just like wow you guys have a pool that's yeah. so like that's so cool and you're like oh yeah like I guess we do have a I never really think about the pool um and it just like it, it's it's that's Kevin Love walking into that locker room out of the rotation in Cleveland he comes in he goes wow you guys do it this way this is so great like to be around you know yeah. this kind of organization who's all about winning and everybody's like you know it's been the same group for like two years and they're like yeah you know what. I guess it is pretty nice here. I guess we are all about winning. I guess we are. We do have that. We have the culture thing, like whatever it yeah. is. Um, and that's what I think Kevin Love brought to it. It was sort of an appreciation of yeah. that. And I do think it was a little bit um, refreshing. All right. Um, I think we're wrap good here. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Thanks again. For hey, shout out to everybody. Sorry. Shout out to everybody on a Saturday morning. I know there's a lot of happiness around the fan base right now. But it's incredible the support that we've gone. 600 people on right now, Saturday morning, listening to us talk about a big game two win. So shout out to everybody who's on the show. Absolutely. We'll be back Sunday night with a recap of game three. In the meantime, make sure you're liking the videos on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. We're available there as well. Uh, as well. Um, David, have a great weekend. Talk to you Sunday night. You got it, Wes.